Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue <coughs> our study of the second book of Samuel, Shmuel Bet, Perak Zion, that's chapter 7. We were halfway through the chapter 7. We were about to start uh, with the verse 18. And in this verse, we, um, we read of David's response. We just le- read of uh, the um, answer that God gave through Nathan the prophet to David regarding his desire to build a house for David. And God told David and said, I don't want you to build a house for me. The purpose of the house is for you. <coughs> I have um, shepherded the people of Israel since they left the land of Egypt into the land of Israel. I have brought you out of obscurity from being a shepherd and made you the leader of the people. <coughs> I have done all of this for you. I'm fine right here with a house that's in a tent. In other words, the house that represents me and my presence within the people <coughs> is fine there. I don't need this. I didn't ask for it. When I establish you as a kingdom, and you I will establish as a kingdom, and you will learn <coughs> that I am like a father to a son. When I handle, when I deal with people... I treat them in such a way that I respond to their moral actions. The purpose of the establishment of the people of Israel is in order to be moral people, is in order to live the kind of life that I am instructing you to live. And then I will be with you, and I will punish you when you're bad. I will reward you when you're good. Then, when that's established, and that will be established when your son takes over, then he will build me a house so that you as human beings can come to that house, become inspired, and live the kind of life that I'm asking you to live, right? So in other words, the house is not for me, it's for you. That was God's answer to David. David hears this response, and David is completely blown away. He has learned, he's learned his lesson. And what is he going to say? Let's read from verse 18. And by the way, much of what I um, have been explaining here, kind of, I derived <coughs> both from my own understanding, you know, from study, and also from the the Ralbag, from Gersonides, who kind of hints to a lot of these ideas, especially in the upcoming verses. Then the king David came, and he sat before God. Presumably this means that he went to the tent, the tent within which the Ark of the Covenant resided the temporary residing place of, 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 of God, so to speak. <clears throat> who am I, God, Lord God? And who is my, my house, my family, that you have brought me up this far? In other words, what have I done <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that brought me to deserve this? Immediately David recognizes that God's favor is not bestowed upon him because he's some grand, wonderful, uh, high, lofty person. But God bestows upon people favor upon people based on how they live, on how they act. So David immediately said, who am I? What am I? What have I done to be worthy of this? What has my household done to be worthy of becoming the royal family? <coughs> now, those of us that have been studying the book until now and have read about David's behavior know exactly how loyal David has been, how honest he has been, how hardworking he has been to bring about safety for his people. But David himself didn't see all of those wonderful, heroic acts that he has been involved in until now. David himself says, who am I? And this, of course, is 
implicitly what what we should gather from here is the reason why David was chosen is because of that real true humility. David finally understands that God bestows favor on people based on who they are. And this, this choosing me as king and my family as becoming the royal family was not enough for you. That was too small. You wanted to do even more. You even talked about establishing my house, my family for the distance, for far out, forever. Meaning for, for generations to come. Vizot Torat Ha'adam. This is a very curious phrase here. And this is the Torat Ha'adam. This is the law of the people. So, Adonai Elohim, Lord God. Now, so what does this mean, Zot Torat Ha'adam? One way of understanding it, and many commentaries understand it this way, is this is, the, 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 is like a prayer. May that be the law of the people, right? In other words, that my family will be established as the as the royal family, and therefore the uh, kingship will pass from father to son, etc., down in generations to come. Other ways the Mitsudos understands is Vizos Torah Adam is a continuation of David's uh, uh, speech about his, uh, which reflected his humility, and that was coming from a humble place. David was saying, who am I, and so on. This kind of favor one bestows upon a Torah Adam, a man who is great, a man who is lofty, a man who is high, but not me. I'm just a little guy. I'm just a nobody. <clears throat> However, I want to say, in, in more, a little bit more consistent with the way I explained the beginning of the chapter in the last podcast, and the way I'm explaining this one, is the way the Rabag looks at this, right? In other words, remember, what does it mean when God says, I'm going to choose your family to lead the people, right? God recognizes that people sometimes behave well, and people sometimes behave bad. Some people are good, some people are bad. So God promised promised David in in the prophecy that we had read in the last in the beginning of this chapter that even when your descendants sin I will punish them as I do all human beings but I will never forsake them because like a father to a son was was God's analogy in that prophecy and this is what's crucial here adam when David said you spoke to my servant you promised me forever to be with me Despite the fact, the Zotorat Adam, that this is the way people live. Some people are good, some people are bad. The, uh, you know, the only way that such a promise can be fulfilled is if God guarantees David the, um, the, the a success forever, regardless of the behavior of the children. In other words, yes, those children will be punished. And as we know, now from hindsight, we know that many of his descendants were not very good at all and eventually resulted in the epic and huge punishment of the destruction of the entire kingdom and the exile of the entire people. But God still did not forsake them. He just punished them. And this, in truth, is meant to be a a metaphor to teach us about how God deals with all of humanity. And that is, he never forsakes us. His punishments to us are meant to teach us and meant to bring us back, but never meant to be forsaken, never meant... To, to be thrown away. Rather, only God will be with us and he will punish us like a father does and he will reward us like a father does. 
but the love will always remain. Umayosif David Ode, verse 20. What more can David, David speaks of himself as, 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 as a small person, what more can I possibly even say to you? You, God, you know your servant. I, whenever I see this phrase, it reminds me, you know me, you know my faults, you know my strengths, you know all of the stresses that I've been through, you know my whole life, you know everything that I've done, you know my parents, you know my children, you know how I deal with people, you know the challenges that I have, and you know the skills that I have. Only you can be the true judge, because only you know and understand everything. Not even the best psychotherapist can uncover Everything about a person the way only God can. It is for your sake, because of your word, because of what you want, what you, God, wants. That's why That's why you did all this greatness. David recognizes you didn't do it for me because I'm great. You did it for you because you're great, because you want us to live a certain type of life. You want something to be established on this world, and that is a world that lives according to the morals and ethics that you teach us. And you have made it known to me, to your servant, right, what it is that you want. Al-Kain, therefore, Gadalta Adonai You are tr- great. You are so large, so huge. In other words, now David finally recognizes and realizes deeply by God's refusing his request to build a house for him, David recognizes and realizes in a full and complete way how different God is from the previous conceptions of pagan gods. There is no one like you. You're not just more powerful than the other gods, but the other gods are similar to you. You're just bigger and better. But no, there is nothing like you. There is no other God besides you. This is the essence of monotheism being recognized right here. By God saying, don't build a house for me because I don't need a house. But rather, the house is for you. God is demonstrating and teaching his servant David that there is no other God. Right? just like we have always heard until now. In other words, we've been told until now there's only one God. Since the days of Moses, the preachers have preached to us there's only one God. Even Saul knew and understood there is only one God, but he didn't quite understand fully the power of monotheism, the power of the idea that when you say there's only one God, then you have to think, well, if there's only one God and there is a creator, why did he create us? And then it leads you to the answer. He created us in order to be good people, in order to act properly. And now it makes sense, David says. Now I understand why you're teaching this to this nation. This is something that would be extremely difficult. That's something that it's, it's the way it needs to be taught to the entire world, but how will God teach this to the entire world? By choosing this nation, the nation of Israel, and teaching it to this nation. This nation of Israel is one, a singular nation among the people of the land. Asher halchu Elohim, that God went liftos lo la'am to redeem him for himself as a nation, took them out of slavery, v'lasum lo shame, and to make a, 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 a great reputation and to do for, for you this greatness and great wonders 
for your land, for you, in other words, the people of Israel, because of your nation, you redeemed them from Egypt. You took them from slavery to demonstrate what justice is, what righteousness is. <coughs> right? <coughs> you, 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 um, uh, got rid of those other nations and their gods and you took them out and established only one in order to teach this lesson of monotheism you took the people out of egypt you took them away from that world of paganism you got rid of those gods you got rid of those nations that worshiped those gods that led them to immorality and you taught them this these basic concepts of morality and you have established your nation israel to be for you a nation forever and you, God, have become for them a God. And now we're verse 25. And now, Lord God, this word, this promise that you just said to your servant and to his house, this is a prayer here. Please establish this forever and do like you have spoken. In other words, David himself isn't taking this for granted. Knowing that God said that Things are behavior dependent. God now, uh, David now goes ahead and prays. And may your name be glorified forever. Saying with, with the following statement. The God, the Lord of hosts, Elohim Israel is the God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. Because you, <coughs> the God, the Lord of hosts, Elohim Israel, <coughs> the Lord of Israel. You have revealed to the ear of your servant and said, I, God, will build a house for you. It's because you made me the promise that now your servant has found within his heart the strength and ability to pray to you this prayer that I'm praying to you now. And now, Lord God, Asher Hu Elohim, you are the God. <coughs> so here is a declaration of the basic idea of monotheism that is, you are the God. And your words are truth. This is a very crucial statement here. What makes this special is because this is truth. And you have spoken to your servant, this great good thing. What is this great good thing that your words are truth? And now, Ho'el, Uvarech, that's Beisav Dacha. Go ahead, and um, the word Ho'el here is, um, is, uh, is variously translated, but one way of saying it's like to swear, right? Um, or agree, Uvarech, and then go ahead and bless. Right, the servant, the house of your servant, that it should be the house of God forever before you. Because you, God, have spoken. You have taught me this lesson. And it is from your blessing that your house of your servant will be blessed forever. <coughs> Not because I'm great, but because you blessed us. And, and, and therefore, we now have seen the ultimate blessing, the blessing that established the house of David as a kingship forever, may um, we uh, uh, try to internalize these important lessons that we've just learned over here, the idea that God gave us this. We're special because God gave this to us. God gave this mission to us. God will not abandon us. 
but he will always treat us based on our behavior. The way we achieve greatness is by doing the things and acting and living the way God wants us to live. This concludes chapter 7. Thank you so much for studying chapter 7 together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 8 and of course the rest of this beautiful book of Samuel together.